All right, so God's not like that, right? That's what we're speaking on. Um, and we've had two weeks of this series, and I think that each week something's been presented that's made us think and kind of rethink. You know, like there's a surface idea of who you think God is, and you're like, oh yeah, God is good, God is great, you know, all this kind of stuff. But then when you get down to like the deeper, like how you live your life, do you actually believe these things that you kind of learned in Sunday school, if you went to Sunday school? Are you actually living out based on those things. And so first week, oh, I have this. I have the power. There we go. God's not waiting for you to fail. Like we know that God's not waiting for us to fail, but there's a part of us that feels like he's constantly disappointed with us. He's constantly frustrated. So Christian shared with that week one. Last week, we talked about God's not a killjoy, right? That God actually is kind of fun. You know, he doesn't just call his followers to be grumpy and miserable and live like a, a terrible monk life where you can't enjoy good food or, you know, football or anything. You know, God loves football. Amen? Can I get an amen to that? I know that's been a debate that God doesn't care about football, but God cares about everything. He cares about all these things. He cares about Mario Kart, you know? So anyway, okay. Okay, no, I'm not going to talk about Mario Kart because it's a point of, of uh, contention within our family because I used to be the best Mario Kart player in the family and now my kids are better than me. And it just, you know, if you want to see where you're weak, lose to your kids on a consistent basis and then you'll realize, man, I'm a weak man. <laughs> Actually, yesterday, last night I lost and I was, you know, complaining about how unfair it was because, you know, they always get the better specials. And, and my 11-year-old son said, you know, Papa, you really disappoint me. <laughs> I said, get used to that. Um, so today, I'm going to talk about the past. And I feel like the past is like a heavy topic. It's a big deal, right? Every one of us has a past in this room. Do you agree? Does anybody else have a not, not a past? Right? You weren't born right now, today, right? We all have a past that we have to like navigate through and, and understand and, and live out of. And the past is influencing, whether we realize it or not, so much about who we are today and who we are going to be tomorrow. And so I want to show us, a, a, I've got some proof about how powerful the past is. This is a clip from Despicable Me Too, and it's about our buddy named Gru, and we're going to see what, what's happened to him. Okay, so <laughs> it's amazing how something that happens to you in an instant when you're 10, 11, 12 can influence you for years and years and years. Look, we're going we're to show one more proof of Gru and how devastating his childhood was to his capability to live life normally. Here we go. So that is a picture of what the past can do to you when you don't actually deal with it. Now, I had my own Gru-like experience when I was about 13. I was very shy and I liked girls, though. I started to like girls. I went from liking forts and live, you know, playing outside to, like, whoa, girls are kind of cool. Okay, so I went and did that. And I liked this girl. And, and she knew I liked her because I, I let her friends know that I liked her, all that kind of thing. I liked her. And we were all hanging out one night. And it was so exciting because she was showing me a lot of attention. And I was like, this is great. This is so exciting. And so she was, like, talking to me. And I was talking to her. And it was amazing. And I was sitting down. And she walks over to me and says, can I sit on your lap? Which is like, wow, okay. I was like, sure. All right, so how often do you get that experience? And so I was like, sure, sit on. So she sat down on my lap and she farted on me. Seriously. 
All right, way to play with a 13-year-old boy's emotions, right? I was like flying high, and then I was definitely in the, in the dumps. You know, I was feeling pretty low. But you know what? That experience, how she treated me and how she played with me, actually affected how I interacted with girls for years. I still can't talk to a girl normally, right? Ask my wife, right? It's, it's, but the thing is, is our past has such a profound effect on our present and our future. And so today, I'm not, this teaching isn't going to answer and heal you and make everything better for your, based on your past. I know our paths are complicated. Our paths, okay, it's a hard word to say often. Pasts are, are you know, they're, they're varied, they're different. You know, some of us have experienced things that are so traumatic and deep. But what I want to do is to get, get the ball rolling where we begin to understand God's heart about our past. Where we begin to actually say, instead of living in like, you know, denial like grew, like, no, I'm not afraid of dates or women, when obviously he was terrified of dates and women, right? Oftentimes we like to live our lives in denial that our past is actually influencing us, actually, instead of actually facing it and saying, okay, where do I need to change? Where do I need to invite God into my life to work through this? Um, If you look, there's a lot of really great one-sentence memes about your past. And look, there's all kinds of... This is just my first page of Google searching, right? Your past is done, so forget it. Your future is yet to come, so dream it. But your present is now, so live it with no regrets, right? Don't use your past as an excuse to ruin your future. There are all kinds of great one-line memes. Obviously, the past is a big deal for a lot of people, and a lot of people have thought about it. But if it was easy as reading a really cool meme to get over the things that you've experienced, then we'd all be completely healthy, great people. But instead, we can't just read all these. It takes actually hard work. It takes being real and honest. It takes asking God questions and letting him answer them. It takes inviting them into those times. It actually takes time where you're alone and you're not on your phone and you're not distracted and you say, God, where am I? broken inside? Where do I need to change? And I believe it also takes getting God's heart about your past. See, a lot of these things don't even mention God, and he's the biggest X factor in us overcoming the things that have happened to us, the things that we've done, the shame that we carry around. See, God, and this is a teaching, is not obsessed with your past. God's not like that. Oftentimes, we think he is. He sees us as our greatest failures. He sees us as a big ball of disappointment. He sees us as broken. But that's not true. God is not obsessed with your past. Actually, he's far more concerned and interested in your future than your past. See, oftentimes, we live the opposite. We live obsessing, and we're concerned about our past and what's happened to us, and it actually keeps us away from living the future that God has longed for us, the things he has in store for us. We actually sabotage what God's doing in our lives because we live in the past. We don't deal with the past, so the past uses us. And so today, we're going to talk about God's heart. Now, See, I'm not used to a table, to be honest. This is Christian's table. I'm used to a music stand, and so I'm going to be a little awkward, but here we go. Okay, to be fully alive is to be fully present in your life. See, Jesus said in the Gospel of John, I've come to give you life and life 
in the fullest, life abundant. If we want to really live the life Jesus has called for us, we have to leave the past in the past. It's got to be in its proper place and for us to thrive like God wants us to thrive. And so when I think about the past, I think about a few things. I think about the good, the bad, and the ugly of our past. Because there is good that we can look back on. There is bad that we don't like to think about. And then there is ugly that we like to hide away. And I'd like to challenge us. These three areas, actually, I believe God is calling us to surrender to him in order for us to live the full life that he's called us to. Because God is not obsessed with our past. He doesn't look at us and see all of our mistakes and our regrets and the things that have been done to us. He sees the future for us, and the future is bright. Like, we have to believe that God has hope for our future. And you might be like, oh, God, you don't know me. You might, you might think it's good for somebody else, but if you really knew me, you know my future is not And he's saying no. And so here are the things. The good of your past. I know you're like Jonathan. How is the good of my past holding me back from embracing the present and the future? Well, I'll tell you. This is how. Wish we could turn back time to the good old days. And we all have those times in our lives where we think about the good old days. right? Maybe we were younger. Maybe we were better looking. Maybe we didn't have any kids. You know, I mean, the, the good old days. Maybe life was simpler where kids could ride around in neighborhoods on, you know, on, I was going to say motorcycles. Those aren't motorcycles. Kids could ride around on bikes and, and, you know, you could go down to the local ice cream shop or whatever, right? You, you have this idea in your mind of the good old days. And the good old days are good in their proper place. But if there is a season in your life where you think, if only I could go back to that time. If only I could enjoy that, that moment again. If, you know, for me, I have a few good old times, okay? I'm old. I'm almost 40. I'm feeling it, right? And my kids, we started having kids really young. And, like, my kids are all old, and they're teenagers. And when you have, especially, I don't know, girls that are teenagers, you just miss when they're, like, little. And Rebecca and I were just talking about how, like, they used to, like, want us to read, like, Henry and Mudge to them and, like, Little, little Bear. And those were fun. It'd be weird if I tried to do that now with them, right? And so, like, here's, here's our family, right? Look how, look. Just how adorable, like, matching white, we can't get them to wear matching white dresses anymore, right? Little red Crocs for our son, right? Look how cute he looks. He's so adorable. He has blonde hair here. He doesn't have blonde hair anymore. You know, like, like he doesn't beat me in Mario Kart when he's this old, right? But, but this kid demolishes me, right? And this kid talks back all the time. No, you know, I mean, like, like you deal with like these, these older guys, right? And look, I have a smile on my face, but it's fake, right? I long for the good old days, you know, there is a part that of you that can get trapped in longing for something that will never be, that was and isn't any longer. You know, and for you, it could be like when you were, you know, had a great group of friends and you guys were getting together or times when you felt really close to God, right? And those times, instead of saying, yeah, I appreciate that, but I'm moving on into a new season, I'm embracing what God's doing now, we stay trapped longing for that. And for you young people, 
you guys never experienced the good old days. You're just longing for the good old days. You're like, I can't wait till I'm out of this house. I can't wait till I can look at you parents and be like, you know, I'm doing what I want to do. You know, like, come on. There's going to be a time where you're going to be like, I just wish I could go home and eat my parents' food, you know, and spend their money. I miss those days. The good old days can trap us in a way that allows us not to live fully present. All right, there's this weird scripture in Amos. All right, and this is kind of God speaking to his people of Israel. He says this, seek me and live. Do not seek Bethel. Do not go to Gilgal. Do not journey to Beersheba. What are those places? I would never go to those places, God. Don't worry. These places were all three very significant places and times in Israel's history where God met them. And he's saying, listen, don't go back. Don't go back to Bethel or Gilgal or Beersheba. That's in the past. That was good then for that season. But now you need to seek me and live. Right now, despite the season you're in, your seasons change. And if we're always begrudging the seasons changing, we're not going to be able to embrace what God has. Can I get an amen? Right? And so we need to seek God and live. And so that's how the good of our past can trap us. Even the good, right? We haven't gotten to the bad and the ugly. All right, I'm doing good in time. This is good, okay. It's easy for us to also sugarcoat our past because look, these kids, they kept us up at night. These kids, well, not yet. Oh, he, he, we changed his diaper regularly, right? I don't change any of their diapers. It's wonderful, right? They sleep longer than I do now, right? It's great. I'm not sleep deprived, right? We have freedom. We can watch movies I actually enjoy instead of like watching like Dora the Explorer, right? <laughs> right? So like we sugarcoat the past and then we're captured by it. It's dumb, right? We need to embrace the season that we're in right now. So that is the good old days. The second one, the bad of your past. You know where I can get this thing fixed. Every one of us in this room have had things done to us. And this is real. Like you've experienced, some of us in this room have experienced abuse, emotional, physical, sexual. Some of us have lost loved ones way too soon, and we've wondered where God was. You know, some of us have been rejected, have been bullied, have been, you know, felt ostracized or isolated, right? There are bad things because you know what? We live in a broken world and humans do bad things to each other. And so we have all experienced the bad of our past, right? We've all experienced this thing. And I'm not saying that God makes light of what's happened to you. God cares about every detail, everything that's been done against you, he cares. His heart is broken. It actually says in the Bible, God is close to those who are brokenhearted. Like he draws near. He knows you need him, and so he's there for you. Even though at times you have felt rejected by God. You have felt distant from God. You've wondered where God is in your life, right? We've all asked those questions. We all have felt that. We have all experienced life and said, this isn't how it should be. Why is it this way? And so God cares about that. But this is the thing. If you sit down, if you make the bad of your past, the biggest thing about you, you become a victim. And maybe you were a victim when things were done to you, but you don't need to live the victim life 
all your life. And that's how it steals away your present and your future, right? You know what it looks like to be around someone who's living the victim life. Oh, woe is me. This always happens to me. You feel, you identify with your brokenness. You identify with the things that have happened to you. And there is a game changer in this because by yourself, you can't, I mean, you can try with all the self-help and all that stuff, but I believe it's Jesus who has to come into that brokenness, that has to come into the bad, and he has to heal you. But the thing is, it's not a magic pill that you take. It's not a prayer, one prayer that you say, and then all of a sudden, all the bad things you forget about completely, right? It's hard work. The things that have been done to you, if you really want to see your freedom from those things, not influencing your present and not stealing away from your future, you have to take the hard steps But this is the thing. In Romans 8, 37, there's this promise made. And it's talking about nothing separating us from God's love. Darkness and death and sickness and disease and all this stuff. And then he ends with this. In all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Now that sounds like a really great thing to quote or to like, you know, put in a sign. But if we actually look at this, in all of these things, in all of the brokenness that's happened to you, And all the ways that people have sinned against you. It might even be church that's let you down. Hopefully not this church because we've we've barely existed. But maybe, right? In all of these things, we are more than conquerors for those through him who loved us, right? And so we have to realize that we are not victims. We have an access. We have a path to victory over those things. Through what Jesus has done for us, through what he has bought us for, what he did on the cross, he said, all those things you can give to me now. But it takes every day saying, you know what, these disappointments, these frustrations, the way that I've been hurt, what I feel like has been taken from me, whether it be loved ones or things that you cared about, you know, jobs that you loved or whatever. You have to choose to say, I stand as a victor, not as a victim. Can I get an amen? Amen. You know, the victim mindset allows us to play the blame game far too often. And we blame these things that have been done to us for why our lives are a mess. Or why we're frustrated with this. Or why we're not able to be used by God this way. Or why we're not able to love this way. Or be more whole this way. Or have the confidence to ask a girl out on the date. Right? We blame these things that have happened to us. And instead, we have to say, you know what? I know Jesus has more for me. Jesus steps in and he shatters the victim mindset, right? He says, no, I don't see you as a helpless lamb being led to the slaughter. I don't see you as someone who has no hope. I see you as someone who's with me and with me, we can conquer this together. But you have to choose to invite him into that. Right? And all of us are carrying around those hurts and those pains, those frustrations. And you can lock it up and push it into your heart and it can come out sideways and you can be a miserable person and people can be afraid of you. Or you can unlock it and open it up to Jesus and say, God, I don't know what to do with this. I have my brother-in-law, Alex, is the perfect victim. He was abandoned by his father when he was a young boy. While he was with his father, his father left him oftentimes to go out and drink him and his brother, right? And then he bounced around in the foster care system. 
If anybody had a reason to live as a victim, to be frustrated with life, to hate other people, it was Alex. And I am blown away. If you know Alex, you know that he has chosen to be a conqueror over the things, right? And this is the thing. You can either let your past use you or you can use your past. And Alex has used his past as a help and as a testimony of who God is. If you talk to Alex, you see the love of Jesus in his heart. You see it in his eyes. You see it the way, because he's not living as a victim for what things have been done to him, right? He was abandoned by his father. He didn't have a mother, right? These, I mean, he had a mother. It wasn't like he was conceived without a mother, but he, he didn't know his mother, right? This is incredible. It's because of what God has done. We can all choose to be like Alex. I'm not saying he's perfect, Right? Look at his family. No, I'm teasing. Like, he's not perfect. But it's incredible the things. If anybody has a right to live as a victim, he had the right. And he chose to give that pain and that brokenness to Jesus. And finally, I want to end with the ugly. The ugly of our past. Right? And I think, unless you're like really in love with yourself, you have felt this about yourself. You have felt like a failure. You've wondered why you're such a failure. You wonder why you can't be better, why you can't, right? And you wonder why you have messed up and sinned, right? And then you look at your past. You think over the things that you've done, and you feel ashamed. And then maybe you think about the things that you think on a regular basis, and you feel even worse. You're like, I'm an awful human. I feel that way, right? There is this, there's a shame that can come over me for what I've done in my past, things that people know, things that people don't know right? And we can live. That's the ugly. And when you have ugly in your life, you don't like display it. You're not like, <laughs> you know, right, you know, you might have a dog and you're not like, hey, you want to come see my dog? Here, look at his butthole, right? I mean, you don't like, you're not like proud of the ugly about the dog. You're, you want to show him the face, right? And the fluffiness. You're not like, look at the gross part of my dog, right? We don't display the ugly. And actually, this is what leads to all of us looking so fake at times, I mean, it'd be weird if we were like completely honest about, hey, I'm Jonathan and, and, you know, I've done this and this and this. Don't lead with that. But oftentimes we put on a mask because we're just hiding the ugly in our lives. And so, okay, like the butthole thing was not in my notes, just to let you know. (laughs) We can all look back and think about the times we blew it. You know what? I had this, this clear time in high school. And this was before, like, we were really aware of, like, special needs and everything. And there was a kid, obviously, now that I look back, who had special needs. And he was this big kid, all right, and, and lots of people teased him all the time. And I remember this one time, and this is back in the days when you would, like, get changed for gym and, like, all the guys were, like, naked in the locker room. Um, and, and he was, like, he'd just taken a shower, he was coming out, he was just in the towel. And all the, all the other guys were just, like, just yelling at him, making fun of him, you know, calling him whatever. And then they, they were taking their wet towels and they were like slapping, like whipping him. It was awful, right? And this was a Christian school that I was in. And I remember like I was really timid back then and I didn't join in, but I said nothing. I didn't stick up for him. And like, they, like it got to like fights, like they were wrestling, like, you know, and, and like I think back and that's just like one regret that I have. There's many more. I can sit down. You guys want to hear them all? How long do we have? You know, like, like, that's one of my regrets. See, this is the thing about sin and failure and shame. Everyone, everyone has blown it. Look to the person next to you and say, you've blown it. It's true. 
We have all blown it, right? Right? See, you might look, you might look at this family right here, and man, if you just take this guy out, that looks like a perfect family, right? And you maybe cover that up, like that belly right there. Yeah, that guy looks, like this family looks so good, right? But this is like just a snapshot of what you, shot of what you would see on Facebook, right? And we can all look really good. But what you don't know is if you turn, if you pull back the surface, is about eight years ago, this marriage was like on the rock, like, like we didn't know if we were going to survive because of some brokenness that we had brought into our marriage, things that we had done that we're ashamed of, and, and because we had failed each other, right? And we were following God. Like sometimes you're like, oh, you can do bad things before you know God, but once you know God, if you do bad things, then shame on you. No, we knew God. I was in the church, right? We were the perfect Christian family, yet there was brokenness and shame and ugliness here that almost destroyed this whole picture, right? And so if you just look at it, you're like, oh, these guys are so great. There's nothing wrong with them. Hold on, guys. Just wait. I'm going to give you, give me five more minutes. It's only 11 o'clock. Christian goes to 11.40, right? No, geez. Right. This is the thing. I would say that eight years ago, that was probably the lowest of the low for both of us. And if we would have stopped there, if we would have allowed that low moment to define us, then we wouldn't have been able to embrace what God had for us, right? That would have been all wiped away. See, oftentimes, we like to define ourselves by the worst things that we've done. And oftentimes, the worst things, the places of ugly, are actually meant for God to use to help so many other people. Right? Instead of hiding it away and saying, I'm so ashamed of this, I can't let anybody know my weaknesses. If we're honest with each other and transparent and we share what God's done in our lives, right? And God worked to rebuild this marriage that it looks completely different today than it did eight years ago. Because we did hard work, because we decided every day, every day to choose to be more than conquerors. We decided every day, right? We decided every day that no person, this is a quote from one of my favorite pastors, Judas Smith. He says, no person is irreparable or irredeemable. No sin is so great that Jesus cannot cover it. His love is so deep and wide that he can, in one moment of our faith, forgive our past, present, and future sins. Sin is simply not a problem with God. See, we make it a problem because we hold on to it and we're ashamed of it. We don't want to give it to God. But once we give it to God, there is freedom. It's not a problem for him to take it, take it and throw it far away. There's a verse that says, as far as the east is from the west, that's how far God removes our sin from us. He takes it and says, it's gone. It's done. That's the power, right? Paul, the apostle, he's this guy who wrote half the new Testament, right? Before he found Jesus, he was a, a terrorist against the church. He was a murderer. Don't you think God really cares? He's saying, by picking Paul, he's saying, it does not matter your past or your ugly. It matters how you respond when I call you. And Paul wrote this, Philippians 3.13. Right? Paul could have lived in shame for the rest of his life, but this is what he says he did based on the ugly of his past, forgetting what is behind now, it doesn't mean you wipe your memory of your past. And it's more about focusing. I'm not going to focus on what is behind. I'm going to strain toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. 
And this is one of my favorite verses, Isaiah 43. Forget the former things, right? This is one that I held on to eight years ago. And as we rebuilt our marriage again and again and again, forget the things that were done. Even the things that you did yesterday is in the past, right? You could sit there and beat yourself up for days and weeks and months. And God is never, he's not like that. He's not going to sit there obsessed with your past and what you've done and how you've blown it, right? He says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams and the wasteland. And my life has felt like a wilderness at times and it has felt like a wasteland at times. But you know what God can do? He can make a way through those places into my future because I've got a good future. Because I'm with Jesus, and he's calling me, and he's calling all of us into a new time. So I don't care what you guys did yesterday, a year ago, five years ago. I don't care about the ugly, because that's not what you need to dwell on. As long as you give it to Jesus, there is freedom there. Do you understand how God being not obsessed with our past is so freeing for us? Because we don't have to be, right? There's a reason why the rearview mirror is much smaller than the windshield. What would happen if you drove down the road just looking at the rearview mirror the whole time? It's dangerous always looking back, if you're driving a car especially, right? There's a reason why we're meant to look forward in our lives. We need to put our face forward and what God is doing today and tomorrow. And we have to let go of the good old days We have to let go of the bad that's been done to us or the bad that we've experienced. And we have to surrender the ugly every day in order to experience the present fully alive, what God has for us. Can I get an amen? Isn't that good? Right? That is an incredible message of hope. And now you guys can come on up. Right? And so if you guys, yes, give me applause. There we go. Okay, I'm going to say something to you after um, I'm done because I don't want to be recorded for people to hear. Actually, you can do this. Please tell Christian that this was the best teaching ever given at City Life (laughs) and that he can go to Alabama every weekend for as far as you're concerned. So this is what we're going to do. Your past is too big for you to deal with on your own. One thing that Rebecca and I, when we went through our, our marriage Uh, implosion is we realized we needed help like we couldn't do life alone too many of us live in isolation too many of us live just trying to fight and overcome by ourselves and we realized we needed help and so we reached out to all kinds of people right we need help and so you might need to go and get prayer right now as you surrender this these things um during this last song you have a card you want to grab your card there's a card they're all scattered around so grab a card And what I want you to do is you, God's here and he likes to speak to our hearts. And so during this time, I believe that if you just sit and wait and you say, God, what are some things that I needed to write down to to say, okay, I need to leave behind or let go of in order to move forward. It might be a good old day. It might be a time when you were like, oh man, I've idolized that time so much. Or it might be something that's been done to you, you know, something that, that you've Uh, you've been hurt and you have to let that go. You've got to surrender that. 
Or it might be something that you've done, something ugly, something that you're ashamed of. And I encourage you, there's a power when you just name it, when you just write it down, and you put it down there, and you're not going to give it to anybody. You're just going to give it to me, I'm going to read it for everybody. No. <laughs> just write it down and just, just present it to God, right? Because this is the thing. We can't be trapped by our past. Like, this world needs people who are free of their past. Like, they need hope. They need, like, people speaking freedom into their lives. And they need real people, not people who are fake and like, yeah, my life's been perfect, therefore come with me and you can have a birth. No, we, we need to be real. You know, when I'm real with people who don't know Jesus, they're like, wow, that was really real. You don't seem like a Christian, right? <laughs> because they're used to Christians faking it, right? We don't want to be people who fake it. And so we're going to do this, this time of response. But I encourage you, please get prayer. If you're feeling that in your heart, like, you know what? I want to give this up. Some of these things you're going to write down are going to be totally obvious. And some of them are going to be like, oh, I didn't even think of that. That's holding me back, right? God's not obsessed with your past. God is far more concerned about your future than your past. Can we be? Can we be more about our present and our future than our past? That's the challenge before us. And I know we can do it. And so we're going to sing this song. Write down, I'm going to pray. Jesus, thank you. For every person, God, I thank you for every person in this room. And God, we're not going to sit here and we're not going to uh, begrudge our lives. God, we're just going to say, Lord, thank you for bringing us to this place today so that we can surrender to you. And God, we want you to use our paths for your glory so that we can help others, so that we can be a, a strength to other people when they're going through those times, God. And God, we present to you the good, the bad, and the ugly of our lives. God, we don't want to hide it away. We don't want to live in isolation. We don't want to live, God, faking, putting on masks, God. So Jesus, we invite you into those places of our past. We invite you into those those places of brokenness, of disappointment, of hurt, of shame. God, Jesus, thank you that you care about everything, every moment of our lives. And you care about every person here. And that you would just begin to work in our hearts now. That you begin to stir up in our hearts, God, what, what you want us to surrender to you today. And so, God, I pray, Jesus, that we would not be people who's, who's trapped by our past, God, but that we would experience freedom in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing, guys.